Is it good to be home? Yes. It's good to be home. From the weather point of view, probably not. <laughs> Basically everything else, yes. So, I, I probably sent some um, pictures or whatever on um, WhatsApp. I don't know what I sent or what I didn't send. But I had a great time out there. And um, to be quite honest, I don't know if I sent the picture of them with the chairs. So when they worship, when they get a little bit excited, they carry chairs above their heads. <laughs> so I've got some amazing videos to show you next, next week. Next Sunday morning, I'm planning to sort of do the whole morning about... Uh, what happened in Kenya, um, but um, one of the things I just wanted to share with you this morning was how I, I was invited to, um, um, not when I got to Nairobi, which is where I arrive, I usually travel straight on from there to uh, um, Kisumu and then on to Kakamega, which is where I am normally. Nick, this is a bit loud, could you try and find which one this is and turn it down a bit? Um, yeah, and... Uh, but they'd, they'd sent me a message saying, we'd like you to stay in Nairobi and preach at a guy's church who you'd never known before. And so I arrive on the Tuesday, and I'm going to be doing Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, two on a Saturday and two on a Sunday at his church. So that's great, because I don't mind that at all, but it was great fun. But you could see how uh, that went on each day, building up and building up in intensity and in God's presence. And it's one of the things I think... We lack a little bit here in, in, in our country that the, the, the sort of build up of things. You know, we just about get going and we're going home, you know what I mean? Like, and, uh, and then we've got a week to wait, well, till Tuesday, some of us can come back. But, um, but just watching these people getting hungrier and hungrier as, as, as you're sharing. And I, I don't know, it's the first time I ever met anyone from Kenya was 10, 12 years ago. And it's the people who will go and visit. His name's Bishop Raphael and his wife Dina. And they were in the UK. And this is how I got to go to Kenya. They were in the UK. We were having a joint churches meeting with Bethel Albury. Uh, there was a, a, a church in, in, Old, uh, in um, yeah, by, by Sainsbury's. Um, Black church, something, church of God thing. And about five or six other churches. And, and we were having this joint thing, and I was asked to speak at it, which I never got asked again, because <laughs> it's the same as when I lead worship, things happen and people don't, they've got too much in the programme, you know, so, but anyway, um, so, so I'm, I'm preaching at this thing, and, and Dina and his, uh, uh, Bishop Raphael and his wife, are sat on the front row, and, I, and I'm just getting so excited about what God was wanting to say that morning, I was just feeling the presence of God, and they were kind of sat there going, what's the matter with these people? <laughs> Don't they realise he's, 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 he's speaking the words of God? So what they do is they stand up in, while everybody's around. They stand up going, preach it, preach it, amen, amen. <laughs> and of course, I love that. So, <laughs> so I got even more excited that they sat down and said, we want him in Kenya. We've not seen a man like this in Kenya. So ended up there. You preach for an hour and a half minimum, that's what you do, so out there, which is great as well. So, uh, but anyway, just this first, this first uh, gathering with, with, with these new people, I'd never met any of them before, pastor or anything, so I, I just shared with them 
the things that God showed me over the years about encounter and about presence and stuff like that. And it, it begins to intensify. And, and then on the last session we had together, I said, look, I, I, and God had already moved uh, in, in several times as we, had we'd met, but I kind of knew God was going to do something special on this, this last day. So I hadn't even got to the time of prayer and I just felt God wanted to touch people. So um, I asked people who were in pain to stand up and about 18 people stood up and about 16 of them lost their pain went away just, just by getting people near them to just lay hands on them and take authority. It's just great. So then we come to this end of it, and I thought, how am I going to end this conference thing that I've done here? So I said to the, the, the pastor of the church, said, have you ever heard of a fire tunnel? Any of you heard of a fire tunnel, by the way? So what there is, is you usually get a couple of your sort of leaders to sort of um, stand some, one this side, one the other side, and you get everybody to filter through. And as they're filtering through, you know, you're just blessing them as they go through. And sometimes the presence of God just hits them. So anyway, so he's got about 80 people in, in, in his church. So, so we're, we're praying and they, they walk through and nothing happens. And I'm going, that's okay. I'm okay with that, like, you know, sort of thing. And, um, and then I said, can they go through again? So they go round, and they wanted to go round, so they came round, and as they're going through the second time, one guy just hits the deck as, as, as we're praying. So we, they literally throw him out of the way so the next people can get, get through. It's just, it's just madness, honestly. And anyway, so he, he goes through, and he's about halfway through the second time, halfway, you know, through the 40, 80 people, he's about the 40th one. And of course, that starts, starts to spark something. And so about another five or six later, another one just hits the deck and just... And then they go through a third time and no one can get through. It's not just... They're piling up, you know what I mean? It's just like they're just throwing them anywhere out of the way. There's people everywhere. So we end up having to leave the tunnel and just walk along the line praying for people. And it was just... An incredible time just of, of, of God. But one of the things I, I, I was saying to them was, because something they've learned to do in their particular church, one of the other nights when I was praying for people, I, I wasn't touching, they were just going, and they were just falling down. It was just amazing just to see God at work. But as soon as they sort of started to fall down, they were holding them and then standing them back up. So I said, can I ask you not to do that? I said, if, if God's commands them, let them, let them go down onto the floor. I said, I can move somewhere else and pray. You know, bring people over here. I said, but, but if he's on them and he's doing something on them, they need to just be left in, enjoying that. So that's what they began to do. And people was lying there for about three quarters of an hour, just under God's presence. Like, So, yeah, I had a great time in Nairobi. And I'll share all the other stuff another time next, next Sunday. Um, of course, the boys, I went to the boys' home and they were so, it's, it's a sad time for me, seeing the boys, because they're, it's hard, it's hard out there, it's hard a lot of places, I suppose, but, you know, they're, they're wearing clothes that are filthy and old and tattered and, you know, we took a lot of stuff out for them, which was great and they were so grateful for it, but that's their norm. You know, the new shirts from Primark, that's not their norm. You know, their norm is that they walk around like this, and, and, and that is, that's hard. 
you know. But we give them something, and what we give them a lot of is they, they see it as God's love for them. So I've got a couple of videos of the kids sharing their story and that, so I'm going to play that next week as well. Um, but anyway, I, I felt I wanted to share a word from God for us today. Um, may, may have been sparked by being away and speaking a million times. But I, I realised, I, I was asked to speak, for, um, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the One Church, then the following week at Bishop's, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, which was, you know, great. And then I was going to be speaking on the last three days at another church, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and no, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and come home Thursday. But that didn't happen because I had a death in the church and had to take about 14 days to organise a funeral. So they couldn't really put that on. But one of the words I had for them, and I thought, well, that, there's a reason I had that. But I felt it was like, perhaps it's what God wants to say to us. And it is that, that we need a touch from God. That's what is missing in our, in our world, in our country, in our churches. I love the worship here and I love how you respond to worship and I love how you are part of that encounter with God, you know. As we were praying upstairs before we this morning, a, a scripture comes to mind that says, come boldly to the throne of grace. But it does say that you might receive mercy and you might receive grace to help in time of need. There's like, there's an exchange supposed to happen in that, but... I said to the Lord, and I've, been gonna, and I've been talking a lot about this while I was away, how many scriptures talk about things, about being in heavenly places, about coming to the throne of grace, but they're just like ideas, or they're beliefs that we have. What's the physical experience of it like? What does it actually mean to be sat in a heavenly place? Do, am I supposed to be aware of that? Am I supposed to know what's going on? Am I, you know, so I'm going to share a lot more about that over the next few weeks, but as we was upstairs, the Lord said, that's what you're doing now. You come and asking me, what are you doing over us this morning? He says, that's you coming to the throne and with the nerve to ask, what are you doing, God? And one of the words that came out was that there's a, God wants a new season for people. Uh, and I got a sense that that was a season of spiritual awakening, you know, because there's a real sense of we need a touch from God and that has to be a genuine miraculous, physical almost experience of a touch from God because when I read scriptures, that's what they were. So Isaiah 6, verse 1, you can put up if you want, Nick. That's not the verse I'm going to end up on, but it's, it starts with um, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. And I, and I want that to be your encounter. To, that's where your touch is going to come from the one who you see, the one who you're encountering, the one who you, you, you're in the presence of. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. We'll just go through the verses. Thanks, Nick. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. Two, he covered his face. Two, he covered his feet. With two, he fled. I love reading those things from the point of view of. When you're reading Revelation, they're still there. This is Isaiah, some six, eight hundred years before Christ. And he's seeing what John sees in Revelation, exactly the same thing. So they're there, you know. 
And we, we read them here on this earth as, as human beings in our little limited mindset, limited understanding. We li- read this and, and trying to imagine picture, what that, mm, uh, yeah, mm, he saw it, John saw it. And there's going to come a day when you and I, we talk about going to heaven and we think about seeing Jesus, you know. We're going to get there and go, that's them crazy angel being things with wings and faces that, you know. We're going to see this. This isn't... And we're seated in heavenly places, so there's something about you, something about me, that's seated where this is taking place. And I want to try and help you to understand that and, 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 and walk in that. Next verse, because these crazy things carry on up there. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Carry on, sorry. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Oh God, fill this house with smoke. Um, So I said, woe is me for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sins are purged. That's, that's as far as I wanted to go. And it's, and it's about this. God wants to touch the thing in us that's giving us the, our issues. When he saw God, when he encountered God, the thing he realised that was wrong with him is, oh man... I've said loads of things I shouldn't have said. And right there is a touch for that need. You know, and whatever it is, when we're in his presence, we're going to see what it is about me, my pride, my jealousy, my insecurity, my fear, whatever it is, I'm going to see it. But there's something from heaven that wants to touch that very thing and clean it and, and, and remove it. And it's that touch that we need in our lives, we need in our churches, that, you know, it's not, oh, I'm going to keep pleading, I'm going to keep pleading, I'm going to keep pleading, but there needs to be a time when he says, let me come and touch it then. So I was, I was teaching them this while I was away, that, you know, and we've heard it here many times, there's two sides to the cross. There's the side of repentance and where Christ takes our sin upon himself, but there's a resurrection where we live in newness of life. And there's lots of Christians, we're still coming to that wrong side of the cross. We're still coming with what's wrong with us and all that. But there was a touch to set us free. So, what's God going to touch in you? What does he need to touch in you? So when a man encounters a touch from God, everything will change. I I was in... um, the Bishop's Church on the, the second week and on the Sunday morning the main service which was at, at 10 o'clock by the way I'd, I'd, I'd done one at 8 so there was a service at 8 then there was one at 10 and then there was one at 2 so that was on there that's that second Sunday while I was away in Kenya and at the second meeting at 10 o'clock there was about 300 people at this meeting and after the worship team had finished, I was thinking on this scripture 
But it was on the bit that says, after this, I heard the voice in heaven said, who will, who will go for us? And the reply was, here am I, send me. And I don't know what it was, but I just felt like God was saying that to this church. So I, I got up and this, the worship was, team was still there. And I said, I can hear a voice in heaven. And they all looked at me like crazy, like, you know. I said, saying, who will go for us? Who, who will go for us? And I said, are you going to be the ones who reply? Here am I. Send me. So I, I asked the question again, who will go for us? And about four people went, here am I. Send me. I said, That's, is, that, is that it? So eventually, after about 10 minutes of this, realizing this was God trying to do something, they were beginning to realize it. They were screaming it back, all 400 of them. Here am I. Send me. And I hadn't even preached yet. This was just like, I got up to, and it was, it, but it was that sense of, I want that here. I want that, those moments here where when we come, we go, this is a God moment. We, we need to respond in this. This is a God moment. So that's why I wanted to share the things I'm sharing. So Jeremiah 1 verse 9 says, The Lord put forth his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. So I think there are some preachers here. I think there are some people who have been called to a prophetic ministry. I think there's people here who God wants to be used as evangelists. I'm going to say something about the children at the end of it, but we've got this thing, well, I can't do that. Just like Moses said, go and speak before Pharaoh. I said, but I can't, my mouth, just, I can't do that, I can't speak. And, and God comes to Jeremiah and says, I've touched your mouth, now you can do it. And we need a touch. Some people here need that touch because your mind says, I can't do this. I'm not eloquent. I'm, you know, I'm Scottish, you know. <laughs> Bless God. <laughs> I, love, I love to have my friends here today. <laughs> I, we always talk in our family, by the way. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a wee story. <laughs> you remember it? You remember it? We used to say that to our Elsie when she was a little baba. Yeah, I remember it a lot. So, but there's that moving on from what I can do, what I can't do, to God touching someone. And now you're able to do something that you didn't before. We need that type of touch from God. So is there a touch from God to release words through you today? I, I, it was one of the things I was very conscious of while I was out there, wanting to speak words over people. And so one of the, one of the meetings that they had, there was, again, about 80 people. They had a word. I had a word. I knew that morning we've got to have words for people. So I said to call the eldership out, and there was eight people on their eldership team. And I called them out. I said, now, you're going to pray for them. I said, but you're all going to have a word for them. And I saw the fear on their faces. I thought, and you're the leaders, you know what I mean? These are the people who, I, I said, just begin to speak and God will give you something to say to each one. And, as, and, and it was just incredible, the words that God was giving through them, through me. Have, because there's so many, you can't, I can't go through all of them. That was the point. So, but it was that, there's a touch, there's a moment. So Genesis 32, 22 is another where God touches someone. This is Jacob. When he wrestles with God, 
And he wrestles with him all night. And it's getting near to the break of day. So what have we got? Uh, that's verse 22. I want 22. Yeah, what does it say? That's not the one, is it? Okay. Yep, go from there. Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the break of day. We'll carry on. When he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Of course, we get Ian to pray for that. <laughs> A God-given socket out of joint, but let's, let's, let's not go there right now. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. But I, I just want to go back to the verse before, that God touched him and gave him this touch of his socket. And there's two things in this story. One, this happened till the day broke. It was nearing the break of day, and, and, and so God touches him. And I've often said this, our day needs to end needs to break, and God's day needs to begin. It, this break of day thing that was happening, it was getting near the break of day, it was, it was near the break of Jacob's time ending as Jacob, and he becomes Israel. He becomes the man of God, he becomes the, the servant of God. And so, so God touches him, breaks his day, finishes his day, and, and then God's day... But it's this touching of his hip. But you can read about it in Hebrews 11, 21. So, so this is not mentioned really in the Old Testament, but it's mentioned in the New Testament. Hebrews eleven twenty one. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning on his staff. And he had to now, because now he was no longer relying on his strength and his capability and his fullness, but with his hip in the state it was, now he relied on the strength of God, and he was leaning on the staff of God, lean, and, it, and there's, we need a touch from God that breaks our reliance on ourselves, that breaks our reliance on knowledge, wisdom, logic, everything we understand in a physical realm, but it, it causes us to lean on, you know, my, your rod and staff, they comfort me. You know, that whole real sense of, of what God is doing gives him a limp <laughs> that he might walk in God's way. And there's, there was another rod that's mentioned, Moses' rod. Do you remember Moses? He, he meets God at the, um, the burning bush and then God says to him, what's that in your hand? Have you ever heard, know that part of the story? He says, what's that in your hand? He says, it's a rod. He says, throw it on the floor. Throws it on the floor and it becomes a serpent. And it says he stands back, you know. And then God says, pick it up. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what you do, isn't it? He says, pick it up by the tail. Like, you know, the bit that's going like this. <laughs> pick it up by the tail. So he picks it up and it becomes a rod again. And, and one of the best teachings I ever heard on this was, God was taking the snake out of his rod, taking the serpent out of his rod, and we need God to take the serpent out of us, that which we rely on, that we, you know, our default that we go to when it's not working out our way and we'll... <clears throat> to, from that moment, it's called the rod of God. 
Before that, it's, the, it's Moses' rod. From that time, so when the serpent is taken out, there's something changes in you, there's something changes in me that begins to see. That's the, uh, I, I don't know whether I like it or don't like it. When I go to Kenya, you're always introduced as the man of God. This is the man of God from the UK, and I think, well, great, thanks. Um, but, I, but I guess from what I'm saying here, that's the reality, isn't it, in some ways? That if, if God takes the serpent, the self-reliance, the, the, the self-pride, the self-grandeur, you know, the self-criticism, if he takes that out, and all we've got left is, this is, this is what God says about me. This is who God says I am. This is, I'm doing what God, God wants me to do or what I believe God wants me to do. This seems like I'm relying then on God. There should be that sense of, you're not the same. Something is different about you. If we move into the New Testament, there's, there's similar um, things there that I want to share with you. So in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 and 41, Bearing in mind what I'm talking to us about is, is we need a touch from God. And these are some, just some of the instances where it, it's, it uses that reference where they were touched. God touched people. So in, in, in this we have, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And then verse 41 Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. He's a leper. He touches the leper. He says, I'm willing to be cleansed. And verse 42, I guess that's good. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. It says this in Leviticus chapter 5, begin at verse 2. There's a reason I'm sharing this verse with you compared to the story we've just read. Okay, Leviticus 5, begin at verse 2. If a person touches any unclean thing, whether it's a carcass of an unclean beast, the carcass of unclean livestock, or the carcass of unclean creeping things, whatever they are, there was a lot of things like that in Kenya. <laughs> woke up one morning to a mouse in my room and it's like, ah! <coughs> So I didn't sleep for a couple of nights. But anyway, they got rid of that. So, <laughs> and he's unaware of it. Even if he's unaware of it, he shall be unclean and guilty. And the next verse says this. Or if he touches a human, uncleanness, whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled, and he's unaware, when he realises it, he shall be guilty. In the Old Testament, you touch a leper you become unclean. In the New Testament, Jesus touches a leper and the leper becomes clean. We need that sort of touch. You know, what has touched us in this world? What have we touched in this world that we think, oh, that's really affected me, that's really bothered me, that's really caused me to have this life of, you know, guilt, shame or whatever it is. Don't we need Jesus to come along to that leprous thing that's been hanging around us and touch us and we become clean? How many of you would love a touch that, that went, poof, wiped out all that? That's what we need. 
we need the touch of Jesus. And he says, I'm willing. I'm willing. And he's not scared of, you know, leprosy was probably the worst of the things you could have. Probably might even still be today, but certainly the idea that you touched a leprous person, you knew you were going to be catching leprosy or whatever. Um, but Jesus, here's the thing, Jesus was not scared of leprosy. He was not, and he's not scared of any uncleanness that's in you. And he's not, you know, bothered by anything that you think you carry. He says, I can touch that. That's not going to change me. That's not going to impact me. I'm about to come and impact what has touched your life. Man, that's the touch we need. Matthew 9, 29. This is the story which you, I think we probably would have thought would have been the first one in the New Testament. It touched their eyes. He said, it will be done according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. It touched their eyes. This is one of the things I felt God wanted to say to us today. He wants to touch our eyes, but not necessarily our natural ones, but the spiritual ones. That the eyes of their understanding might be open. I think you've got a, well, I might as well say, it. I think you have a level of Christianity and a level of understanding of spiritual things that's, that's very natural, that's very logical, that's very mind understanding. But there's a level of, of seeing and knowing the things of God which the natural man cannot receive, the natural mind can't, can't receive that. And I think we need a touch in that place, in that place of our eyes where the eyes of our understanding are opened. I'm absolutely convinced that if, if, if you had an encounter with God like some of you have had, and I know I've had many, 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 when I talk about my go going to heaven type of thing, it's like God is willing to say things to you that have nothing to do with things that you know on earth, he'll tell you things and you think, well, how on earth does... give you revelations. This is why Jesus was a problem to the people he was with, because he kept saying things that they didn't know what he was talking about because he was talking about heavenly things. That's why he says to Nicodemus, if I tell you natural things and you don't get it, what chance have you got if I tell you heavenly things? But we're heavenly people, folks. So the heavenly things are supposed to be for us to know. The heavenly things are for us to walk in and understand. But I think the church is very natural. Not just our church, I think even. I think that the church, you know, probably worldwide, is very natural and cultural. So I get to Kenya, and in Kenya, they're all fire and brimstone, and every, everything's a demon, you know. So they're always casting everybody out. It's all the time. It's like mayhem, you know. But, so, so I did an experiment with them. I said, I, I, I said and, and, and I've done this before over in Kenya many times, okay. So this is how they pray, right. I'm not exaggerating when I do this. And it's somewhat embarrassing to do it because it's not British, okay. 
So this is how they pray. Father God, we just thank you. You are amazing. You will come and you will fill this place and you will overcome every work of the enemy. And they don't stop, no for a breath. And they go on and on and on and keep praying and shouting and they're walking up and down and they keep shouting and they keep... So I said to the pastor, I said, can I just teach you something? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, will you do some role play with me? So I get the pastor up on the stage. I said, I want you to play God. So I want you, you, you've got a word for me. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He said, you've got a word for me. I said, I'd like you to be able to say it to me. While I'm doing what you're all doing every day. So I start ranting and raving up on the stage. And here's the, here's the pastor I'll be going, ah, waiting to get a word in. So he starts to shout. So I can hear him shouting. So I shout louder over here. And at the end of the day, when I finished, I said, okay, we can stop now. I said, can you see the point? I said, when do you, when do you listen? When do you hear? And we've taught people how to hear in this place. And it's really important that we continue to do that. That we continue to say, you can hear from God and take time to hear from God because it's what he says that's going to transform and change your life. And, and, it, and it made a massive impact on that day, I must be honest. I, I, I like messing them up over there. It's a good fun. <laughs> so we need God to touch these eyes and these ears because that's what is in the next one, Luke twenty-two fifty-one. Jesus answered, said, stop, no more of this. And he touched their ears and healed them. You know, We need a touch of God in these days. And then my final one is this, Mark 10, verse 13. And they've all gone, the children, because they have to go home and have the dinner and have the naps, or whatever else they have to do. <clears throat> but we've got six of my grandkids here. Um, when Kevin comes, he's got his... Little, little ones. And in Mark 10, 13, it says this. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. They brought children to him that he might touch them. The disciples rebuked it, you know. They, they were like, what the heck's going on here, you know. Jesus said, don't do that, let them come. But it was this, we need a touch of God on our children. I was five years old when I got saved. I was 13 when I got called into ministry. That's young. We need our young people to have a touch from God. No matter what age they are, we need God to touch our children with the prophetic, touch our children, with the evangelistic, with the pastoral, with the gifts, with the anointing. They probably are more aware of it than we are as adults. Because apparently while I was away, young Sam was at the back with his guitar for a whole session, like just playing while the worship was going on. It's like, touch him, Lord. Touch him. Let him be the next worship leader. Let one of them be the next preacher, let one of them be the next firebrand who comes and brings the word. 
I, even I, I'll never forget the day Scarlet was here. Scott, she was. You were. You, one of you was sat there. And Scarlet was uh, was on, and she started laughing. Do you remember it? She was too young, and she was she was laughing. She wasn't, you know, making a noise that sounded. She was laughing, and we knew we knew immediately that moment. That was the spirit of God here in this place, on a on a child. It's like because the rest of us were too flipping deaf to hear it, you know. But she got it. She got it that morning. It's like, God, touch the children. Touch and even if they've grown up now, touch them again. And we're still kids, aren't we? Touch us. But it, it felt like, you know, touch, touch all of our children. I know when the 90 kids came over from the school and we just sat here, they all sat in here and we started doing hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord. So we get them to stand up over here when they're singing hallelujah, then sit down and they think, praise ye the Lord. They were screaming. They were just shouting. It was like, see who could shout the loudest, like, you know. And then we did some worship. And they were dancing during the worship. Touch our children. What year is it? Year 10? How old are they? Not year 10, six. Year five, year five, sorry, year five. What age is that? Ten-year-olds. Ten-year-olds came in this place, 90 of them. We worshipped and they worshipped. And they don't even go to church. Touch our children. They came in and that day they sat on his lap and they were touched. Touch our children. And we need him to do that. We need him to do that today. I had the opportunity to pray for a lot of people out there with lots of need. And another one who is a, got barrenness and the Lord's given me a word for them and I spoke it, so I'm just believing God's going to do that miraculously for them. And I've said, keep me informed, I want to know. Because this is, this is, preaching's great, worship's great, but a touch from God that's, that's what we need. Would you stand with me then, if you don't mind?